Welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Ray Hughes and I'll be sharing with you today. And I want to talk to you uh, about three anointings. And uh, there were some really significant things happened within the context of these three anointings that came upon David in his lifetime. And, and you also see those three anointings reflected in Jesus, our Messiah, you also see those three anointings reflected in our lives. And, um, and okay, but just for a little bit of historical context, let me, let me quickly go uh, to the, the book of Exodus is a, is a great example of what this anointing oil was all about. Um, and, uh, and it's not just a, a um, biblical, uh, historical, a little nuance in culture or a biblical I- idiom of some sort that only would refer to something that happened so long ago because you see it going from generation to generation uh, uh, all down through Scripture. It was an important part of Israel's history. And it, and it began there with, uh, with in the days of Moses concerning the tabernacle of Moses and uh, we, because God gave specific instructions concerning that holy anointing oil in, in Exodus 30. And the most prominent points uh, about it are, is the fact that there were five uh, principal ingredients. There was pure myrrh, sweet cinnamon, sweet calamus, cassia. And then the fifth ingredient that caused them to all blend together was the olive oil. So you have five ingredients blended together to constitute this holy anointing oil. The number five, of course, is significant of the grace of God. It, it signifies life and the atonement as well. But only through the, and which tells us that only through the grace of God and the atonement that the anointing oil can be provided for our lives. But uh, the beautiful part of this thing is, is the spices were blended out of, out of the sweet and the bitter. And then the olive oil bound it all together. And you see those spices and all that in Song of Solomon. You'll also find it in the book of Psalms in uh, 45. But the olive oil binding it all together spoke of the unity involved in this holy anointing. Uh, that uh, uh, It's an anointing of the Lord that rests upon his people and rests upon his ministers. And you see it in Psalm 133 in Exodus 30 again. But the holy anointing oil was, was a very costly thing. And uh, when you look at the word, the New Testament word, for example, Gethsemane, if you've ever been to Gethsemane, and I have numerous times, there's, it's, a, it's a, all of the olive trees there uh, still standing. Some are st- actually still there from the time of Jesus. And, and Gethsemane means the oil press. And so it was through the costly sufferings and the pressing uh, of the sufferings of Christ that the holy anointing oil of the Spirit is provided for us, the church, because that's through what happened there in that garden. It's what brought us in, really. And it was the compounding together of unity and blessing and the sweet and the bitter. What I want to do, I want, you to, I want us to look at this, the, the divine uses of the of this oil and uh, and the tabernacle of Moses you see that it was not just not just uh, uh, an oil where you would anoint the priest to do such and such but the tabernacle itself was anointed with this oil uh, 
the Ark of the Testimony was anointed, the table of showbread. Everything got, was touched and anointed by the oil. The golden candlestick, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, the laver and, and his foot and, and all the vessels pertaining to these articles. Every one of them, all of them, were anointed with the oil. And, you know, the patriarchs are spoken of. Uh, the old, the fathers of it all, if you will, they are spoken of as the Lord's anointed in Psalm 105:15, And Aaron and his priestly sons were anointed. Even lepers were, in their cleansing ceremonies, were anointed. Kings of Israel uh, were anointed to, for, to function in that place. And at times, prophets were also anointed. But the significance of the anointing of these things and or persons is really summed up when you look at this biblical idea of the Lord's anointed. See, they were, they were not just anointed in and of themselves. They were anointed to become um, uh, the true, truest possession and expression of the Lord himself. And many old Bible scholars and teachers uh, see that the holy anointing oil was always symbolic of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So when you would receive this anointing, it really was speaking of a, the Holy Spirit and Old Testament coming upon you, and then, of course, in the New Testament being in us. But it, was, it speaks of a quickening and an, and an illuminating power upon whoever it is that's receiving the anointing. And you see that in Luke 4, 18. I love it that, that, that it's distinguished by the fact that now they are the Lord's anointed. It's, an, it's a sense of, of laying down ownership and receiving uh, the new day of the, the new anointing and what we were born to do and be. Um, actually, the word for anointed is, is Mashiach. It speaks of the anointed one. Usually a consecrated person is like a king or a priest or a saint or whatever, but it, it expressly points to the, to the Messiah, uh, uh, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He, it specifically speaks of him. And the expression, his anointed, it, it was first used by Hannah in her song, you know, song uh, to the Lord concerning the birth of Samuel. And... Um, all the way back in 1 Samuel 2.10, which I still find that to be one of the most incredible things. In that song, you will find her talking about the anointed. You'll hear her talking, uh, singing this prophetic song about the king and so on. And you got to remember, Israel had never had a king. Israel had never experienced the things that this old prayer warrior, <laughs> Hannah, uh, was praying and singing and declaring and, and putting in motion all the promises and the graces and the anointings. of And remember, there had been no kings, but she had just given birth to one who would be anointing the kings that would come one day. Interesting. You know, King Saul is spoken of as the Lord's anointed. And why? Because he received the holy anointing oil poured upon him by Samuel. But Samuel was a prophet. And then the king, then King David, also spoken of as the Lord's anointed, by reason that that same anointing oil was poured upon him by by Samuel as well. His was quite different, of course. The third one is uh, is the son of David, spoken of in prophecy and then in the Messianic Psalms as the Lord's anointed in Psalm two and numerous other places. Daniel and John one four one, you see it, but. The significance of the anointing of the Old Testament 
as well as the New Testament is that one is set aside as the Lord's anointed to function in a particular sphere or office in light of uh, that. Well, you know what? Let's just look. Let's look real quickly here while we have a, a little bit of time. Let's, let's look at David's first anointing. David's first anointing was in the midst of his brethren. And I've talked about it before, so I won't belabor the point. But the fact is, Samuel, here he is coming across the field, uh, eyes full of tears and a horn full of oil. He's mourning what has been lost. And, and now he's pressing toward the new day and he's there to anoint uh, the one to take the place of Saul. But he, de- he never says that. And no one in that atmosphere had any idea what he was really what he was doing. He, uh, he, was, he was there to anoint the new king, but he didn't tell anybody. So when he anointed David, then he just walked out and he told, didn't tell anybody why. I'm sure if he had made the big announcement, this will be the next king, well, there's a maniac named Saul would have had all, had all of them killed probably. But the fact is, that horn of oil carrying the very ingredients that, that we talked about a minute ago. And, and that was the first time in anywhere in Scripture that you find a horn of oil. A horn was not used to carry oil. A horn was used, of course, to it was a drinking vessel to drink water. But after that moment, it says that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord, uh, let's say it, the anointing now rested upon David. But again, David didn't know it. So what did he do? He walks out like everybody else. When this thing's over, he just walks out and back to what he was doing. Uh, he was out there keeping the, uh, the, the sheep, the, the lambs in the shepherd's field. These were lambs that had been designated to be sacrificial lambs. And so he went right back out there and continued to swaddle the lambs and protect these uh, without spot or blemish. And uh, went through a season of acceleration now, the preparation. Acceleration of the preparation for his destination. I just love the way that sounds. <laughs> but... He, he just went back to being David and worshiping. And then from that place of, of uh, diligence and focus and stability and, and worship and prayer and all the things that his life involved, that's, where he, that's what he remained. But he, we can't forget the, he had been anointed now. And so, the, the, of course, the, the Lord had already challenged Samuel to make this whole thing come to pass. But it would be years before it would start to see the result of that, uh, of the result of that day that the oil was poured on him in the midst of his brethren. And that was, his, again, his first anointing. Then his second anointing, you see, that happens uh, when he was 30 years old. Uh, see, the second anointing didn't come till after the death of King Saul. And, uh, and he was 30 years old by then. David was a young man when first anointed, but now he was a young he was a young man and an immature and not yet qualified to rule the people of God. So he had to go through a lot, didn't he? Uh, but yet the anointing was already there uh, that had separated him unto the task that he w- that he would fulfill. And uh, after that, uh, his original anointing as a shepherd boy, he had to wait to, for God's timing. He learned things that, uh, that learned by the things that he suffered, you know. Uh, and, and, an, and another thing we forget sometimes, 
that uh, all, some of his darkest days were ahead of him. He's running as a fugitive. He's, he's being sought out by Saul. He's, he, his life was actually threatened, and uh, Saul tried to kill him 21 times during that, this time in his life. And so between the anointing of, for David and the promise and the fulfillment were all these wilderness experiences, and there were plenty of them. And all were part of the dealings of God to take David to the throne. And uh, sometimes we don't understand that. Sometimes when we go into these wilderness times of trials, and, and I'm telling you, man, there, there's no shortage of them out there today. People going through these dark, dark times of wilderness. And I, I sometimes, you know, we, we like to liken that going into the having a desert experience. And you think, what in the world? How dark can it become? Well, David had to experience all that. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I say sometimes, so, you know, when you go into the desert like that, sometimes it might just be the only place that you'll get quiet enough to hear what God's saying. And sometimes, maybe when you go into a desert, did you ever think about you're in the desert because God might just want to beautify the desert. So let something so beautiful and powerful be in your life that you begin to carry the atmosphere, the very aroma, the scent of that anointing oil that's on you, no matter where you are circumstantially. This can be a time for that anointing oil to cause you to shine and reflect and radiate uh, the, uh, the beauty of who God is in your life, even in times where you, it's the farthest thing from where you want to be or how you want to be living your life. And even and then through all those days, David had opportunities to kill Saul. He wouldn't, and yet, but you, do you remember? He would not touch the Lord's anointed, even though Saul had lost the true anointing. See, the details of these years are are accounted for in First Samuel sixteen through thirty, and I encourage you to go uh, look through those. Uh, but. Once the death of Saul came and then everything shifted and changed, and along comes David's third anointing. And the third anointing came after seven and a half years of David's reigning in Hebron. But remember, he, he was anointed as a king of Judah. Then later he was anointed as king of Israel because that third anointing came much later again. And uh, uh, the scepter had been promised to the tribe of Judah and the prophetic word of Jacob over his 12 sons back in Genesis. Um, but David was of the tribe of Judah. However, though, Israel was hanging on to that scepter uh, uh, of the house of Saul, and that was the tribe of, of Benjamin. And, uh, there's, and after all the long war, and you see all this stuff that was going down, you, but then you start realizing that there were three anointings on his life, and they sort of uh, correlate with three uh, anointings that was lived out in, in, his, um, in his experience, I'll say it that way, because he was anointed to be prophet, priest, and king. And I, I, I want to remind you that my time is up now, but, but I just want to remind you that there is an anointer, an anointed, and an anointing for every one of us. And I just declare that over your life that no matter what season you're in, that 
that that triune anointing will be realized and and uh, that there will be a great grace upon you. The blending of the bitter and the sweet of this past year, may it find you anointed and and um, and oiled up and re- resonating and, and reflecting the glory of God as you go into the new year. Um, under the grace uh, of the anointer, the anointed, and the anointing, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless you.